going through Matthew chapter 24, verse by verse on Wednesday nights. And we are at verse 32 of Matthew chapter 24. So I invite you to open your Bibles there. Matthew chapter 24. The Bible under the seat in front of you, if you'd like to use that, that's page 1142. Father, I ask your blessing upon this uh, portion of your word that you would give us understanding into it. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in a clear way. Lord, continue to make us aware of the days in which we live. Motivate your people to go all out for you. In these important days, bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So last time together, we looked at the climactic, dramatic event of history. History is going to end in a dramatic way with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to come In great glory, all will see him. He'll come with the angels of heaven, with the church with him. He will destroy all of the forces of wickedness. And at the second coming of Jesus Christ, everything changes. He sets up his kingdom, his righteous people rule. This is where history is headed. This is how it concludes. The glorious second coming of Jesus Christ. Tonight, I want to talk a little more about the timing of this. And we're going to start with a really important parable about a fig tree. Look what Jesus says. These are words from Jesus, him speaking. He says, now learn this parable. Notice, learn it. Know this. Learn this parable of the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So we have a very straightforward, simple parable to understand. There were fig trees all over the land of Israel. There still are today. I have a fig tree in my backyard. It's trying to take over my backyard. I fight with it quite a bit. But you will notice... When the branches get tender and when they start pushing forth leaves, you know summer is right around the corner. That's intuitive. We all know that. It's spring. You start to see that sign of life. You look at a fig tree. You see those branches get tender. You see the leaves begin to blossom. You know 
Jesus said, that it's summer. And then he moves that into the prophetic realm, the last day scenario. Verse 33, so you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. When you see all these things, what things? All of the signs that we've been studying over the last several weeks, all of the signs that Jesus outlines in Matthew 24 concerning the last days. He says, when you see all these things, know that the second coming of Jesus Christ is near. It's right at the door. So, if we can look around our world, our society, and see these signs clearly evident in our society, if we can see the prophetic branches getting tender, if we can see the prophetic leaves beginning to appear, what are we to conclude? The second coming is near. Right at the door. Now, Notice what he says in verse 34. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. What generation? What's he speaking about? He's speaking about a generation that won't go away until these things get complete. Well, he can't be speaking to Peter and James and John, that first generation, because they've all died and gone to heaven. He is speaking about the generation that is alive on planet Earth when all of these signs... Show up. That will be the last generation. And he says, Assuredly, I say to you, and heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. You can count on this. You see the signs, you know that you're near the ending. So let's recap the signs that we've studied over the last several weeks. Jesus said, In the last days, there would be deception and imposters. Massive deception. And we live in a point of history when there are more false Christs than ever before. There are more false religions on planet Earth than there have ever been before. That prophetic branch has gotten tender. That leaf has sprouted. And remember, we talked about the ultimate false Christ, antichrist that will come on the scene. The antichrist who will be the dictator of a one world government and economy and uh, religion and all of the things that could lead up to that, we see them present in our day. He said in the last days there would be wars and rumors of wars. There have always been wars throughout human history, but remember As we get closer and closer to the last days, they become bigger and more frequent, more intense. And there are rumors of wars, Jesus said. And in the digital age in which we live with all the chatter and all the different news and all the different agencies, there's always rumors of wars. And remember, we talked about three big wars that will be coming up. The destruction of Damascus the battle of Gog and Magog against Israel, and the battle of Armageddon, when Israel is being attacked from all sides. 
We live in a time where that is absolutely possible. I would say that prophetic branch is tender. Jesus said at the end of the age, there'll be cataclysmic events, pestilences, famines, plagues, earthquakes in various places, terrors in the night sky. Of course, we've had that throughout all history, but again, as you get closer and closer, they become more intense and more frequent. I believe that's a tender branch. Jesus said the last day society would be characterized by lawlessness. He said that in the last day society, the love of many will grow cold. People will hate each other. There'll be a division among people. And I think we certainly see that. Jesus said in the last days, there will be a violent hatred. There will be violent hatred directed towards God's people, including the Jewish people and Christians. And we certainly see that escalating. And Jesus also said in the last days, the gospel will be preached to the whole world, all nations. And that is certainly happening today like never before in all of history. I would say all those signs, all those branches are tender. And I also believe that we live in a time where there have been developments in just over the last 100 years which make these signs more prevalent and more possible. I would certainly talk about technology. A lot of the last day prophecies talk about people being able to get around very quickly all over planet Earth. Information traveling quickly. Just within the last 100 years, do we really have airplane travel and all the cars and all the mass ways that we get around? Technology has made these things possible. We've talked about all the media, all the television, all the satellite radio. Do you realize we take it for granted, but it's just a real recent thing in history where everybody could watch something together live on a TV set, on a phone. And the last day prophecies indicate that there will be lots of things that people will be watching live. For instance, the war of Gog and Magog, the two witnesses in the temple, the abomination of desolation, which we spoke about. Everyone will see Jesus come back live. Everyone will see the cosmic signs. Only in recent history has that been possible. The potential for mass casualty in war has grown exponentially in just the last 100 years. The book of Revelation predicts tremendous amounts of people killed through war in the last days. Only in the last 100 years do we have incredible weapons like this. Everybody connected digitally. Everyone connected. The internet, your phone. Now, all of the Old Testament prophecies and the New Testament prophecies that look ahead to the last days indicate that there will be a one-world government, a one-world economy, and one-world religion where people are connected 
and controlled under that one entity. And they're tracked. For years, people laughed at that. How is that even possible? Well, it's certainly possible today, isn't it? Do you think uh, people know where your phone is? Do you think you've ever been tracked? And then there's that one prophecy that in the last day uh, scenario, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he's in charge of all this. People will not be able to buy or sell without what? A mark on their hand or their forehead. And again, for years, people laughed about that. See that little thing right there? It's called an RFID, radio frequency ID chip. You can insert it right there under the skin. doesn't hurt. It's painless. And it can contain all of your medical history, all of your financial information. And so it's a point where you can, the point of sale becomes your hand. Going to a doctor becomes your hand. All of that. People are doing that. There are whole companies that keep track of their employees this way. So I think just in the last 50 to 100 years, we are living in a time because of an advancement in technology where all of this is not only possible, but becoming prevalent. The branches of the fig tree are tender. The prophetic leaves are out. And then there's another development that's taking place over the last 50 to 100 years that I think absolutely convinces us that we're living in the last days. All of the prophecies concerning the last days speak of an Israel, a nation of Israel, a literal nation of Israel living in the land of Israel. And again, for years and years, people laughed at that. May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation. May 14th, 1948. One prophecy expert says, for hundreds of years, Israel has been dormant with no government of its own, no land, no temple, no priesthood, no sign of national life, The people have been scattered throughout the world. Then, in 1948, Israel became a nation with its own land, government, currency, stamps, etc. Spiritually, the nation is still barren and cold. There's no fruit for God. But nationally, we might say that its branches are green and tender. May 14, 1948, very important date for prophecy buffs. But even a more important date, in my opinion, June of 1967, Israel won the Six-Day War, and it was at that point that they got Jerusalem. For the first time in 2,000 years, even more than that, the city of Jerusalem, under the control of a national Israel. Now, the Bible teaches that Israel will be back in the land 
It'll have its own nation. It'll have its own state. The Bible also declares that Israel will be surrounded by nations that hate them. Has that happened? Egypt, Jordan, Golan Heights, Syria, Lebanon. Now think about this. The Bible predicts over and over and over again that Israel will be a state back in the land surrounded by enemies. Has not been true for 2,500 years till May 14th, 1948. Now, when I mean surrounded by enemies, I'm talking surrounded, dudes. This is all green. This is all Arab, Muslim. Where's Israel? That little red speck. And yet these guys want that land. What in the world's going on? So to me, what's happened in an actual state of Israel is the thing that really shows me that we are in fact living in the last days where Jesus is right at the door. In fact, I want you to think again about this fig tree parable. Did you know that the fig tree is a symbol of the nation of Israel? In the Old Testament, many times Israel is referred to as a fig tree. So, for example, in Hosea chapter 9, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your father's as the first fruits on the fig tree in its first season. So there's a really interesting interpretation of this parable. Some believe that the fig tree in verse 32 represents Israel. And so the idea would be when you see Israel sprout. When you see the branches, when you see the nation of Israel come back to life. You are close to the return of Jesus Christ right at the door. In fact, this generation, Jesus says, will by no means pass away till all things take place. So there are some that believe when the nation of Israel was born, that defined the last generation. Before these things might happen. So you ask your question, what, what, is, uh, what is a generation? Some people say 75 years, some say 100, some say 50. I'm going to take 75 to 100 years. If you were to apply that to 1948, 70 years later and 100 years later would take you between 2023 and 2048. And 2048 is really not that far away really 2023 to 2048 generation of 75 generation of 100 now I would say 1967 could also be a very very important date so if you were to add you know 75 or 100 to that 2042 through 2067 That the generation. So, I mean, some people have put some actual numbers 
to this. Based on when the nation of Israel was reborn. And when the nation of Israel got Jerusalem. So there's one thing that's very important to understand about the second coming of Jesus Christ. You can know the season. You can know the generation. Jesus said, when these signs are in your society, when you see these things happening, his return is near right at the door. And my understanding of Bible prophecy, and as I look around at technology and the way things are coming down, and again, especially with what's going on with Israel, I am convinced we're in the last days. We're in that last generation. I could be the last generation. My children, perhaps. Certainly, my, my grandchildren. I don't have any of those, by the way, but if I ever get one. In other words, it's real soon. It's real soon compared to all of church history. We, we live in amazing times. So it's possible to know the generation, the season. The idea that we're right there at the door. However, however, look at verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Can I please read that one more time? Did you guys totally understand that? But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So why we can know the season, why we can know the generation, we do not know the date or the hour. That's very clear. Of that day and hour, no one knows. Now, how many people have you known, have you heard in the news, they predict a doom, a doom day? They predict a date. Are they ever right? No. Because no one knows the hour. In verse 42, it says again, Watch therefore, you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. So you don't know the hour, and the hour when Jesus does come is going to be unexpected. In fact, he uses the example of a thief. A thief doesn't tell you when he's coming to rob. 
I've never gotten a call from a thief. You know, hey, I'm, I'm your happy neighborhood thief. I plan to rob you tonight at 2 a.m. Please be out of the house. If you were a thief like that, you wouldn't be very good at it, would you? Absolutely not. Jesus' point is, he is coming, but no one knows the day and hour. So here it is. You can know the season, but not the actual day and hour. So that means from our perspective, we must always live as if the coming of Jesus Christ is imminent. Imminent. Imminence, a word that means about to happen. If they tell you, if Homeland Security tells you that a threat is imminent, that means it's, it's, it's about to happen. We as Christians must live our lives as if Jesus can come at any moment, suddenly, at any time. Now, some of you might be thinking, wait a minute. We studied the second coming of Christ last week. And we talked about how there's seven years. And the seven-year tribulation begins when there's that peace treaty that's signed. Seven years later, Jesus comes again. And Jesus comes in great glory. Everyone sees. And so you might think, well, how is, I mean, it sounds like, we got a pretty good understanding when Jesus is going to come. We've got at least seven years, right? How eminent is that? Well, here's the, uh, here's the rub. The second coming of Christ is going to happen in two phases. At the end of the tribulation period, he comes in great glory. Everyone sees. He comes to the earth. He sets up his kingdom. Before the tribulation, he comes for his church. And it's very different than the way the second coming is described. Paul says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are dead, asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, And with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So the classic passage on the rapture speaks of Jesus coming to the atmosphere. Not coming all the way down to planet earth to reign. To the atmosphere. And the church is called up. The dead in Christ rise first. If you're alive on planet earth when Jesus comes, you're going on on an incredible ride. You'll be raptured out. Now look what else it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So the second coming of Christ is kind of drawn out here. Everyone sees the church comes with. When Jesus comes for the church, 
It's quick. He comes to the atmosphere. The church is lifted out. If you're raptured, your body is changed in the twinkling of an eye, quicker than you can blink. So, this is the imminent part. The rapture. That's the wild card. That's the mystery. Remember, the church age is a mystery in the Old Testament. And the church age will end by another mystery called the rapture. So at any moment, if you're a member of the church, you can be raptured. By the way, Christians in every generation for all of church history have expected Jesus to come for them. Do you know the original apostles looked for Jesus to come back? There is no sign that has to happen before the rapture of the church. However, the rapture, as we've become to understand, kicks off, starts this whole domino effect. So if you're living in that age where all of these signs seem to be converging... It really is eminent. It can happen at any moment. And so Jesus says, be ready. Be ready. Look what he says in verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Watch meaning be alert, be awake, do not be asleep spiritually. In verse 44, he says, therefore, you also be ready. So as Christians, we are to be ready knowing that Jesus can come at any time. And that means, my brother and sister in Christ, that we need to be serving him. We need to be living for him. Knowing that he's coming again shouldn't cause you to check out. It should cause you to be engaged. And living for him. Titus 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly. In the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Beloved, now we're children of God and it's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he's revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Gang, listen, knowing that Jesus could come back any day, you better, when he comes back for you, you better be living for him. When Jesus comes again, do you want him to find you partying in a bar? In some weird compromising, immoral situation? Or do you want Jesus to find you living for him? Serving him? That's really important. The idea of Jesus coming again should cause us to want to live a pure life and that he could come at any moment. It also means we should be busy working Jesus, when he was here in his first coming, said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. 
The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Jesus said, as long as I'm here, it's day. I'm going to work because night is coming. And then Jesus later told us as Christians, now you're the light of the world. And you're to be the salt and the light. And while it's day, while it's day, work. Because the night's coming. You have friends. You have family members. There are people that need to know Jesus Christ. And time is running out. So it should motivate us. Be alert. Be ready. You can't know the season. You can know the season, but you don't know the date or hour. And he's coming at any time, so you better be ready. Now, a lot of people that set those dates, it it, it drives me nuts. They set their dates. Jesus is coming, so-and-so, and and they become this cult-like thing. They have a commune. They, They sell everything. They go out on a hill. Have you ever heard of these people? They get in robes. They play their guitar all day on this hillside waiting for Jesus. Now, when Jesus comes back, I don't want him finding me sitting on a hillside. We're to be occupied, engaged in our culture, living for Jesus Christ as, we, as hard as we can, wanting to be a witness for him. We're to be ready. And here's another thing, man. If you have not yet gotten right with Jesus, that better happen. You better do that. Don't let his coming catch you off guard. In fact, Jesus said there will be a lot of people caught off guard. Verse 38, look at that again. I'm sorry, verse 37. As the days of Noah, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the flood and did not know until the flood came took them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. You know, God said he was going to judge the whole world with a flood, sent Noah in there to be a preacher, preach to everyone, built an ark. No one believed Noah. You remember the story. They made fun of Noah. They could care less. And so they're, they're eating and they're drinking and they're marrying and they're giving in marriage. They're just doing their life. No big deal. Not worried about anything. And what happened? Noah was called inside the ark. God himself shut the door and the flood come and washed them all away. Don't get caught left out. says in verse 41 there's coming a day when two women will be grinding at the mill one will be taken the other left verse 40 two men will be in the field one will be taken and the other left there's coming a day which one will you be when Jesus comes will you be left or will you be taken you know there's a terrible story out of history maybe you heard about the explosion of Mount 
Vesuvius, which destroyed Pompeii. Do you remember this story? 79 AD, that happened. In May of 1984, National Geographic shows through color photos and drawings the swift and terrible destruction that wiped out these Roman cities. The explosion was so sudden that the residents were killed while in their routine. Men and women were at the market, the rich in their luxurious baths, slaves at toil. They died amid volcanic ash and superheated gases. Even pets suffered the same and final fate. And, of course, they found people that were just living their lives when total destruction. Here's, they call the, the top left ring lady. She was in the marketplace. And that's just in a split second. Guy up in the right, he was found in a, in a, in a rich royal bath. A family, bottom right, just sleeping in their house. Bottom left was one of their horses. That explosion happened, and just like that, done. The saddest part is that these people did not have to die. Scientists confirm what ancient Roman writers record. Weeks, folks, weeks of rumblings and shakings preceded the actual explosion. Even an ominous plume of smoke was clearly visible from the mountain days before the eruption. If only they had been able to read and respond to Vesuvius's warnings. There are similar rumblings in our world. The earthquakes, the warfare, the nuclear threat, the economic woes, the breakdown of the family, and moral standards. While not exactly new, these things do point to a coming day of judgment. People need to be prepared and not caught unprepared. God warns and provides an escape to those who will heed the warnings. Are you ready? There are New Testament signs that also predict people that mock the idea of Jesus coming again. In the last days, there'll be people that mock the whole idea. How surprised they'll be. Christian, let's give it all for the Lord, amen? And if you're not ready, now would be the time to get ready. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. So, Father, may we live our lives. May we live our lives prepared to meet you at any moment. May your return not catch us unaware. Lord, I pray for uh, all here tonight or listening online, those who know you, 
those who are saved, those who have committed their lives to you. And I, and I pray for those that are not serving you the way they should, not being a witness like they should. Wake us up. Lord, make us alert and ready. Pray that your church worldwide would be that light that it needs to be right now. including each one of us here tonight individually. And then, Father, I want to pray for anyone here tonight who has not yet received you as Lord and Savior. Your head bowed, your eyes closed. At this time of the year, we do celebrate the first coming of Jesus, born as that humble little baby in the manger in Bethlehem, sent from heaven, to grow up and die on a cross for the sins of the world. To be raised again the third day, conquering death once and for all. And because of what he did on that first coming, we can be saved. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I want you to do it right now. Ask him to be your Lord. Ask him to wash away all of your sins. To be right with him. To place your faith and trust in him. You'll become one of his people. And, you, and, and, and should the rapture happen in your lifetime, you, you, will, you will be spared from the great time of tribulation that is coming. But you need to receive him. And I invite you right now to do that. If that's you in the quietness of your heart, just cry out, Lord Jesus, I make a decision tonight. I want to open my heart to you. I acknowledge and know that I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven. And thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. Come into my heart change my life forever. In Jesus' name, amen.